0: God gave me this message to speak to you some while ago, and I've been waiting for the right moment, really, when God put it on the agenda, and it's called, When Only a Miracle Will Do. When Only a Miracle Will Do. Say it with me. When Only a Miracle Will Do. You know, life throws at us sometimes, doesn't it, stuff. We've got a theology of destiny about stuff, haven't we? It covers a lot of things. And we can find ourselves struggling to cope as we face those challenges. Life is not always easy. Rachel's just been sharing some personal stuff for us as a family. But you know, the truth of it is, and I want you to get hold of this right now, for every question that life throws at you, God has an answer. There is nothing that our God can't do. For every question that life throws at you, God has an answer. There are some times when that stuff comes to us and we... Uh, our process of dealing with it is muddling through. It's a struggle. But you know, in the end, we, uh, we're still alive and we're still, so, we're still breathing and we're still hoping for another day. How I many of you know what I mean? Life can be like a struggle. There are, however, sometimes when we say with what we are facing this is just too tough, this is too hard, I can't see a way through this, there is no hope, right now, this is when only a miracle will do. When I talk about miracle, I'm talking about the intervention of God, where it would not have happened unless God had intervened. I'm not talking about the slow process of healing. You know, your body was designed. God made your body to slowly heal. That's why when you break a bone, you don't always need a miracle because there's a process of healing already put into. God designed it, put into your body to heal. You cut your skin. There's a process. that That's, that's God's healing, but He process, he put it as part of the equation of the way that your body functions that it will heal. Thank God for that, huh? How many of you have ever had a broken bone? We've all been there. That is the process of healing. But when that happens, something happens extraordinarily fast or immediately, or wow, how did that happen? Then you know that God intervened in something. You know, let's say you were dead and you were brought alive again. That's not healing, is it? There's something powerful. There's something of the intervention of God We're going to look this morning at three people who had such a divine intervention of God into their lives that we could only be called a miracle. And I focused it just on one chapter of the Bible. So if you've got your Bible, you might want to open to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read, more or less read that whole chapter through. And we're going to come to Miracle Story 1, which is the story of a troubled man who lost it. We're going to look at Miracle Story 2, which is a sick woman who tried everything, but was still sick. And the third miracle story is a daughter who died. Mark chapter 5. So in verse 1 of Mark chapter 5, and you know, it's always good to find out what happened in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, the disciples have been going across uh, the lake, if you remember, and they thought they were going to die, and Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves and said, Peace be still, and then they got out. In verse 1, it says, They crossed the lake to the region of uh, the garrisons. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit from the tombs came to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And that's not a nice place to live. I mean, every know tombs means death. It doesn't mean life. It means tombs. You know, there are many people. I want you to draw some parallels in this. If you live amongst death. By the way, what you will smell of is death. What you will think about is death. There are people who live in a deathly type situation with no hope and no joy and no, you know, relationships that are dead and dead-end hopes. And, you know, And sometimes you've erected your own gravestone and uh, you find yourself in a place where this guy was living among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So this guy was a... He'd really lost it, hadn't he? Verse 4 says he'd been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This guy's in a mess. His life's gone wrong. It really is not a good moment. Night and day, verse 5, it says, amongst the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with sharp stones. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance... You know, whenever Jesus comes on the scene, it's going to provoke a, re- a reaction. When Jesus comes on your scene, I hope the reaction is, is worship and praise and adoration and submission and bowing before him. But you know, when Jesus comes on the scene of some people, there is just a kickoff. You've seen that in the news recently. You mentioned the name of Jesus in certain situations in our world right now, and everybody kicks off. Hallelujah. I, I, I You know, Jesus always makes a difference. And he made a difference to this man, and he ran fell on his knees in front of him. Verse 7, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. So his response was he knew that he was going to be in trouble and that God was going to bring some judgment or something in his own mind. Verse 8, for Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Now, notice in the middle of this, this guy we know to be demon possessed. We know this guy's in a lot of trouble. And Jesus didn't take his finger and say to this man, You are a terrible man. He spoke to the trouble, not to the man. Isn't Isn't God good? And he does that to us today. He doesn't always wag his finger at you or me and say, You terrible person. He says about our situation. It's like for the disciples on the day before when they were in the lake, he spoke to the wind and to the waves. He then had some words to the disciples to say, "Oh, you have little faith." But to this man, he was saying, uh, not to the man, but to the evil spirits that were within him, "Come out, you evil spirit!" Then Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" Do you think Jesus didn't know? I want you to know something. He is all-knowing God. He knows everything that we, you face, I face. We're talking about a man here who'd lost it, a man who's in a terrible situation. You might say, are you trying to suggest that I'm demon-possessed? No, I'm not talking about that. We've got to learn something out of these stories, haven't we? You know, and in our day, we think like, oh, I don't know. You know, the Bible's got a lot of people who were possessed of a devil. Well, these days, it doesn't look so obvious. And these days, you know, it doesn't seem like it's like that so much in our society. But I want to tell you, there are many people who've been caught in a vice, caught, dropped down a hole, held captive, people in fear, people with anxiety, people with depression, people, people in situations where they got themselves into a, a fix and, and the devil is very happy to throw a, a noose around their neck and say, I gotcha. There's so many people who are being got and they find themselves in a situation like this man, maybe not mad like this man, but in a situation where they've been caught Maybe it was a failure, caught. Maybe it was a situation at school, caught. Maybe it was a situation in the family, caught. Maybe it was because of some, some, some problem that they had somewhere in some other way, caught. And they get caught and they feel like they're imprisoned in their own life. And Jesus comes and says to this, to the spirit that was in the man and say, What's your name? And the spirit spoke to him out of the man and said, My name is Legion. Now, I'm not sure whether this means exactly a number. I mean, a legion in the Roman Empire was that it would probably be something like five or 6,000. That's a lot, isn't it? I mean, basically, it's it's talking about we are many. We are many. That's what the Bible says. We are many. This guy was suffering from many situations, this side, this side, this side. He was being bombarded. No wonder he was in trouble living among the tombstones and shouting out and, and trying to cut himself and then he begged Jesus again and again to send them out of the area. And the, verse 11, it says, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us to the pigs. Allow us to go to them. Allow us. I love that. When I read that, I read it again and again and again and again. Allow us. They're even, even the demons are recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Allow us. <laughs> In other words, where. Standing up against you? No, 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 they're not standing up against Jesus because they know who is the Lord here. And I want to tell you something whatever is going on in your life right now, Jesus is Lord. There is a situation where He is Lord. He's the one. Allow us, it says, to go and, uh, and, go, and go to these pigs. Now, the herd was about 2,000 in number. That's a lot of pigs. I don't know if you can imagine that. That's a lot of honking. That's a lot of stink. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pigs. And when, when that happened, it says that they rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. That's a lot of dead pigs. You, you, you've got to read the Bible, haven't you, and let, and let the picture say something to you. I mean, I'd have just loved to have been with those disciples watching this whole thing. Here's, look, here's this man with cuts and bruises all over him and scars, by the way, even after he was free, he would have still borne the scars, of where he was. But he was healed up in, in, in the end. Because that's the good news of the story. And then you see these pigs. I mean, I mean what an incredible. Incredible story. Now those tending the pigs. They were pigged off weren't they? And reported this in the town and countryside. And all the people came out to see what had happened. Verse 15 says. And when they came to Jesus they saw the man who had been possessed. That you like that? Had been. There's some things in life that we just need to declare had been. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive again. I was estranged, but now I've been accepted. There's some things in life that just need to had been. And this man, they came, who had been possessed by a legion of demons, sitting there, dressed, in his right mind, and everybody who was watching was afraid. I think they were afraid because they think... Because the, the only person that they understood this man to be was crazy. I don't know if they were like afraid of God or afraid of this man. That it was a, an act and suddenly he was going to come out... You know, and get them again. Because everybody was afraid of him. But they, they, they were afraid. And, uh, it said, um, and it says there in the Bible... He's sitting there dressed in his right mind. God wants to bring us all to our right mind. Not a mind... Not a mind of confusion. God does. God, if you've got confusion in your mind right now, that did not come from God. God is not an author of confusion. He's an author of peace. He's an author. He's a. He's a God of order. He's a God of speaking it like it is, and that becomes part of our us seeing our breakthrough. And those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well. The pigs got famous that day. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Hmm. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who'd been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, and I love this go home now to your family. He hadn't been home to his family for a very long time. He was a madman living among the tombs. But obviously, he had a family somewhere. Maybe he had a wife. Maybe. He'd got children, maybe he got mum and dad, I don't know what family, but family means somebody that was connected to him, that he'd been estranged from, they'd been embarrassed by him, they'd, they'd probably not wanted to even go anywhere near him, and they'd probably said, you know, people will have gone to him and said, oh, aren't you the parents of that madman, or isn't that your dad, or something, I, I don't know, it's very difficult sometimes when people get into a tough time, isn't it, and the family is all affected by that, but Jesus... The restoring Jesus, when only a miracle could do, Jesus restored him to his family and said, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. That was not going to be a a process of him going for some therapy and coming out of it. This is a moment when only a miracle would do. This wasn't going to something that he was going to grow out of. And, you know, if I can only just have a sleep or go on holiday or take a bit of a break, then, you know, everything's going to be okay. No, this was a moment in, in, a, in a guy's life who, who was in an extreme situation when only a miracle would do. I want to tell you something. If you find yourself right now in a difficult situation, internalized inside your own life, Don't think, oh, about 15%. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being in a tough moment, in a tough time. This man was maybe in a tougher time than any of us have ever experienced. But when only a miracle would do for him, I want to say to you, when only a miracle is good enough for what you need, God is a miracle-working God. Miracle story two. There's a couple of verses that get interrupted. Miracle story three straddles these next two stories because Jesus starts to go off to to Jairus' daughter. But then in the middle of it, in the middle of the crowd that is now walking with Jesus, there is a woman. And in, in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says this. The large crowd followed him, pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been the subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. She was bust. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, you know the key to your miracle is hearing about Jesus. The key to your breakthrough is hearing about Jesus. The key to your peace is hearing about Jesus. The key to your provision is hearing about we need to hear about Jesus. And by the way, the Bible tells us how will they hear about Jesus unless we tell them. The Bible has put on us a huge responsibility to lift up Jesus. We talk about all stuff. We talk about our problems. We talk about our difficulties. We talk about me. We talk about this problem, this problem. And We need to go and lift up Jesus. The Bible says if we lift up Jesus, he's going to draw all people to himself. And this woman heard about Jesus, verse 27 says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. We all know the story about the woman touching the hem of his garment, as the King James Version has it. And she said said in verse 28, she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I mean, that's incredible faith, isn't it? There's a reach out to Jesus that we all need to have if we need a miracle there's a reach out to Jesus we need to have even if we don't need a miracle right now it's all about following closely behind Jesus Henry and and the song that we were singing great song choices by the way just one touch one touch one touch one touch we talked about it's all it took for this woman to reach out and go for one touch and she said if I can touch I'll be healed and verse 29 says immediately now that's not the process of healing that's a miracle immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body. She felt it. She knew that she was healed, that she'd been freed from her suffering. Oh, hallelujah. She'd snuck between those people. She'd pushed her way forward. She'd reached out. She'd grabbed hold of the end of his, of his, of his clothes and she touched it. Immediately she was healed. Hallelujah. What an amazing moment that was. But the Bible, the next two words are, are this. At once. At once. Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. By the way, there is no accidental miracles. There's purposeful miracles. Jesus wasn't going to, you know, find out tomorrow that, you know, oh, this happened. No, no, Jesus was very much aware of what was going on. Jesus is very much aware of your situation. He's very much aware of the miracle that he's planned for you and for people around you. He's very much aware of that. And at once he said to her, "Uh, who touched my clothes? Now, he knew do you think he needed to go and say, "Who? Oh, oh, that's a surprise. Who touched me? No, we're, we're talking about God here. He knows. But he is asking us, he's asking this woman to identify herself and to make a good confession, actually. It's actually coming to a place where. She, she really did respond to Jesus so that they could have a one-to-one. And Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering." This woman had been in a process, she'd seen the doctors, she'd given it time, 12 years, but she'd spent everything that she had, and she came to a moment when only a miracle would do. I want to say to you, it might be for healing, it might be for provision, it might be for some other issue in your life. When you face a moment when only a miracle will do, God will come through for you. All we've got to do is stretch out in faith towards where the miracle comes from. and His name is Jesus. Don't just stretch out to to this help and that help and somebody and somebody and some situation. Stretch out to Jesus today. As you stretch out to Jesus today in your life, you will find out that God is a God who wants to come and touch you, heal you, set you free. You might have been stuck with a situation for 12 years, but God can heal it in one touch immediately. And she knew immediately that this whole thing had gone away from her that's our miracle working God and then miracle story three is about Jairus's daughter so we have to back up a little bit now just before that story and we go back to 21 uh, chapter 5 21 it says when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake a large crowd gathered around him when he was by the lake then one of the synagogue rulers called Jairus came up to him and said seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. That, that's a guy who really needs Jesus' attention. And he says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will also be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. And it was whilst he was going with him that he had this interruption from Miracle Story 2. So after miracle story two was complete and done and that woman with the issue of blood has now gone home completely healed, he carried on his journey. And so we come back to verse 35 and says, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus and said, worst news possible, it's too late. Your daughter is dead. I don't know if you've ever been given some bad news and you've accepted it. Some, somebody said about your situation, you're finished. Somebody said about your health, you're never going to get better. Somebody said about your finances, you're in a hole. Somebody said about you, you're an absolute duffer. You'll never make any good. You know, sometimes we just need to decide what we're going to hear. You need to hear what God says. Don't necessarily hear what your, your friends say to you. Don't even... Necessarily, hear what you say to yourself. We need to hear what God says, and God's God's got something to say. I believe God's got something to say to you today, and to you watching me at home. God's got something to say to you. And this this man, he heard this news, and and this is this whole thing is, you know, coming and said, you know, don't bother the teacher. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? I love the verse in verse thirty-six. When it says, ignoring what they said. Ignoring it. And sometimes you just got to put your ears, your fingers in your ear and, and ignore it. And God says, you're never going to turn around. Uh, when you know, somebody says, you're never going to turn around, put your fingers in your ear and say, you know what, I'm going to ignore that. I've had to ignore stuff down my life, through my life. There's been many times people have said stuff about me or to me. And I've, I've had to put my fingers in my ear. I've learned not to put my fingers in my ear when Rachel's talking to me. I've told you before, there's two, two, two people that I really do fear. One is the Holy Spirit and the other is Rachel. So it's not a good idea to put your fingers in your ear when it's your wife talking to you, okay? Um, so I- I- ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the, to the synagogue ruler, Do not be afraid, just believe. That's the, that's, that's the place that we come to. When only a miracle is good enough, you know the process of a miracle coming to you is about believing. It's according to your faith it will be unto you. The Bible many, many times tells us that it's according to our faith. It's by our faith. Your faith has healed. Your faith, your faith, your faith. We need to be in a place where we believe. We believe in our heart. Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion. Bad news always travels fast, doesn't it? You've got all these people crying and wailing loudly in verse 38. And Jesus went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and this wailing? This child is not dead but asleep. It's obvious that she was dead. But Jesus is speaking not what is but what will be. And there's times when you might look at your situation and say it's dead. But until God says it's dead, it's not dead. Until God says it's over, it's not over. Until God says no more, there is more. No matter how you might say, no matter what somebody else might say to you, there is a grace that God brings when only a miracle will do. And he says, this child is not dead but asleep. Verse 40 says, but they laughed at him. And you know there will be people that will laugh at you. Because you know what God has called you to do and what God has got in plan for you and you're in a situation people will laugh at you. Maybe you even laugh at yourself. I've laughed at myself a few times when I've seen what God's called me to do and what God's trusted me to do and I've said, you, you, are, you have got to be joking, Lord. You know, But in the end, God does not joke. God is not joking about you. He's, he's got a plan over your life and sometimes it is in that moment when only a miracle would do that we've got to go and say, God, if... If this is not dead, but just sleeping, then wake me up, Lord. <laughs> and after he had put them out. That's instructive. Everybody was wailing. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was saying, you, sometimes you've got to put them out of your life. You've got to shut them down. You've got fingers in your ear. You've got to make sure that you're with people of faith because the only people that went into that room are the child's father, the child's mother, and those disciples that we named earlier. And it was uh, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. And they went into the house. There was people of faith who eventually stood around that bed of that girl who was dead. You know, when you're in a situation and only a miracle will do, you need people of faith around you. You need people who speak faith, people who are not going to laugh at you, people who are not going to keep saying, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. You don't need people saying to you, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. Perhaps you need somebody saying to you, you're asleep, you sleep, asleep, so we can say, okay, it's time to wake up. But he put all the people who were, who were saying the, the bad stuff, he put them out of the house, and then this became a household of faith. And verse 41 says, And Jesus took the girl by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaun, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And through the darkness, into the death moment, into the lifeless body of this girl, they said, she was dead. I mean, they knew what death was. She, this, this wasn't the girl in a sleep or in a coma. This girl was dead. They were already wailing. And th- this was a, they were ready for the grave. They were ready to go and bury her. They were ready for the whole thing. And Jesus said to her, Get up. Hallelujah. I believe that God is saying to some of you today, It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. You're you're not destined for the grave spiritually. You're not destined for the grave as far as your dreams are concerned. You're not destined for a a hopeless end. You're destined for an endless hope. Hallelujah. It's time to get up. And Jesus is speaking to some of you today when only a miracle will do. And he's saying to you, are you hearing God speak to you? And he said, get up. And verse 42 says, and immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years of age. And everybody there was completely astonished. And verse 43, and he gave strict orders not to let anybody know about this and told them to give her something to eat. In other words, back to normal, Go and carry on. Go and eat. Go to bed tonight. Have no fear about not waking up tomorrow. We're back to normal. We're back to progress. We're back to, we're back to, it's over. You know, the death moment is over. Whatever it was that went on with that girl, it's over. And I want to say that to you today. Some of the stuff you've been struggling with, if you want it to be over, it can be over in the name of Jesus. What we've got to do is stand up in faith. Believe that God is saying for you, it is over. It's over. It's over. It's over. There's a new day of healing, a new day of restoration. A new day of life. A new day. There's life ahead. There's life ahead for you. There's life ahead. The devil would say you're dead in the grave. Some friends would might want to say to you you're dead in the grave. But God says to you, no, no. That that we'll recognise it as being at least sleeping. But He's ready to say to you, get up. Three incredible stories in one chapter. There's more. We could have talked about Jesus sending out His disciples and they found money in the mouth of a fish to, to pay their taxes. It's the only reason that I would think about taking up fishing. <laughs> what about Lazarus? He was dead. That's a miracle. What about in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt and they faced the Red Sea and it all opened up as it was a miracle and by the way what he can do once he can do two times when he came to the river Jordan and he opened it up and there's another miracle and then it all came back in and killed all the Egyptians as well in the, on the Red Sea and what about the, the guy who was let down through the roof when Jesus was teaching inside a house and they took the roof off, let him down and, and he, walked, he rolled up his bed and walked home, what about the leper who went home healed, what, I mean what about the sick man at the gate in the temple when the the disciples were walking and said, silver and gold, I don't have any, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he walking and leaping and praising God. What about reading the very first thing that Jesus ever did in his ministry of going to a wedding and turning water into wine? I tell you, we serve a miracle working God. As I conclude my message, I just want to give you a reference point of view of one or two other Bible verses. Because, you know, there are some people in Christian churches who believe the day of miracles is past. And if that's what they believe, guess what? It's past for them. (laughs) But I'm choosing to believe that this word of God is is alive and current and active and right for now. See, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, i tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, this problem, this situation that you're in, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. That's not a little process. That's a miracle. Hallelujah. What about in Mark chapter nine twenty-three? It says, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything? Oh, no, no, no. You, you, you know, the Bible's over-egging this. It's a bit of an exaggeration. You take that up with the author, not with me. I'm, I'm just reading the author's message to us, and the author's message, the Holy Spirit himself, says everything is possible if you will only believe. He's a miracle-working God. When only a miracle would do, God will come up with a miracle for you. What about Matthew 19, 26? With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I look at stuff around my life. I look at stuff in the world today. I look at our mission and the days that are coming, and I say, oh God, how can this be? Mary said it when the angel came and said, you're going to have a baby. And she said, not possible. Well, she didn't say that. She asked the question, how is it going to happen? And that's what we need to say. Don't tell God it's not possible. You know, there's been a couple of people in the Bible who said that to God, and they got themselves into a lot of trouble. You know, how? Let's set, let's use Mary as an example for us. And she asked, how will this be? And And when God speaks to you about the... The life that you've still got. When God speaks to us about, you know, the future that we have as to turn our world around as a church. I, I'm not saying, oh, there's no po-. I'm saying to God, how? How? How is this going to be? And uh, with man, it might not be possible. But with God, I tell you, all things are possible. So what about Psalm seventy-seven fourteen? It says, you are the God who performs miracles. It doesn't say there, brackets, and only in Bible days, brackets. It says he is the God who performs miracles. Old Testament, New Testament, and currently in 2023, still a God who performs miracles and displays your power among the people. And my last verse for today, in Acts 19, verse 11, and God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. (laughs) I'd like just a few ordinary miracles. I'd like some miracles for you. But we'd like some extraordinary miracles as well. There's three incredible stories there. One is a troubled man who'd lost it. Your life might be in a troubled moment. I want to tell you something. God will make a way for you. And he'll send your troubles into a herd of pigs and set you free. So that you are able to then go home to your family and enjoy life. There was a sick woman who tried everything. She'd done everything within her ability to do it, but she couldn't just quite make it. She needed a miracle. She stretched out in faith. And virtue, the Bible says, went out at Jesus and touched her. And she she was sent home that day free. Hallelujah. She got up the next day and she was energized. She was filled. God wants to do that for some people here today and some people who are watching me on our broadcast right now. And the third story was of a daughter who died and everybody said it's over. So maybe somebody said it's over to you. I wanna tell you it's not over, it's just sleeping. It's not over. God is saying to you, get up. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to stop saying, Oh, pity me. It's time for you to stop saying, Oh, well, this problem, that problem, and the other problem. Hear the words of Jesus say to you today, it's time for you to get up and move forward in what God has planned for you. You're here today. You're part of this church today. You're involved in what God is doing here today because God planted you to hear. God's called you to be here God every one of us have got a I mean there's some people here with a call on their life in ministry but every one of us are called to be part of this family and God is saying to you it's not over for you God has got a plan for you get up let the divine life go when only a miracle could do you can't work some stuff out in your head You sometimes you've just got to let God breathe life into you he stretched out his hand to that girl and said get up. God is stretching out his hand to some people today, I know it. Maybe you've never even received that first miracle, which is salvation. It's the greatest miracle of all. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today's your day. Today's a time when you can come to the miracle worker and say, forgive me, accept me. God, I'm bringing my life to you. For others of you, you know this is your day. To receive your miracle you've tried everything else this is the moment when only a miracle will do I want to invite you would you please stand with me just for a moment these guys are going to minister a song to us it's a very lovely and important song and listen to the words and as they sing it why don't you you could lift your heart maybe even lift your hands towards God and say God I'm reaching out to you for your touch for your word For your life-giving, life-changing miracle. Because right now, only a miracle will do.
1: You're the same God today. And the same God tomorrow. Help me see the victory you already see. Let my faith be today. Tomorrow, when I've seen the victory. with us this morning we hope you've been blessed by our service don't forget to join us on wednesday in the next part of our wisdom answers series until next week though have a blessed week everybody and we'll see you all really soon thank you